Hey there, I'm Caitlin Daly, and you're listening to Listen Up, a podcast series where we show you how to get more out of the music you love. Let's get our groove on. Season one, I did a whole episode on meter. And this season, I wanted us to get down with grooves that are a little more funky. For example, take a listen to this song by Queens of the Stone Age. Take a second and try to dance to that clip. It's pretty awkward. And that's because it's in an uneven meter, which is sometimes called odd meter or unstable meter. This cool concept of uneven meter is heard in so many different pieces of music and across genres and cultures too. Before we jump into these uneven bits, let's review what exactly meter is. I recommend you listen to that meter episode if you haven't heard it before. But don't worry, we'll try and leave Cat Benatar out of this episode and just go quickly through the basics. Meter is a system whose foundation is the beat. The beat is the most basic, regular pulse that you can feel in a song. The beat can be subdivided or broken down into smaller groups, usually in two, but sometimes in three. A duple subdivision means that each beat gets broken down into two. In this clip, find the beat by clapping, and then notice how easy it is to clap halfway between each beat. Compound subdivision is when the beat is broken up into three pulses. You'll hear this a lot in doo-wop, Irish jigs, and early R&B recordings. You're always on my mind, instilled in my heart. You're always on my mind, although we are apart. You're always, you're always, always on Meter is what happens when you group beats together. The most common meters group beats into sets of two, three, or four. Since we're so used to these meters, our ears can usually detect when something seems a bit off. Interestingly, classical music is full of rebels who like to stir up trouble in the meter department. Check out this clip of Mars, the god of war. Mars was written by British composer Gustav Holst, as the opening movement of his orchestral suite called The Planets. Did you hear how it was a bit off? Listen again to the rhythmic pattern in the low string and brass instruments in the orchestra. 
He throws a curveball at us by grouping the beats into groups of five, which makes us feel a bit off kilter from our usual two, three, or four. It's pretty fitting that this piece is called Mars, the God of War. This music definitely makes me feel uneasy and agitated. Another classical music meter rebel was Rachmaninoff. We're going to hear a clip from Rachmaninoff's Isle of the Dead, which was inspired by a painting of a dead soul traveling across the river Styx to the underworld. You'll hear that instead of writing this in a traditional one, two, three, four, he groups the beats into groups of five. One, two, three, four, five. It makes me feel like I'm on that rowboat, traveling through uneven waters on my way to the underworld. I'm a little bit creeped out by these examples and think that they'd make for a good horror movie soundtrack. In fact, uneven meters are often used to add a surprise element to the horror movie genre. The theme from the movie Halloween is written in a five meter and played so that you hear four uneven groupings of three and two. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. When you mix that uneven rhythm with a higher pitch on the piano, you've got the recipe for goosebumps. Music may seem like a weird place for uneven meters, since we often think of it as dance music. But there are lots of examples of uneven meters in pop, including this Pink Floyd tune, Money. See if you can count out the seven. Another rock song in seven is Radiohead's ironically titled song, two plus two equals five. This one is faster than money. So listen for the accented notes and that will clue you in on where beat one is in each group. Sometimes, musicians use uneven meters as a way to contrast different text meanings in their pieces. For example, way back in the medieval era, composers usually wrote their music in triple meter as a reference to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Renaissance, composers weren't as strict, but they'd still make use of the triple meter to highlight really holy things. Listen to this Catholic mass music written in the Renaissance by Tomas Louis de Victoria. You'll hear a normal meter in four 
And then when they start singing Hosanna, you'll hear them shift into a triple meter to signify the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You might not think of him as a Renaissance composer, but Hozier does the same trick in his hit, Take Me to Church. Listen to the first verse, which is in triple meter. The lyrics compare his lover to the heavens. He calls her the last true mouthpiece, and even ends with the word amen. If the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak, fresh but when he gets to the chorus, the meter changes from three to four, and he suddenly compares her to a shrine of lies. Not so church-like, and the meter reflects this. Take me to church, Am I saying that Hozier consciously thought about the meter change as reflecting the medieval idea of worshiping God in triple meter? Probably not. But I think he wanted to achieve a sudden shift in feeling from ethereal to earthly. And the meter shift totally pulls this off. A great musician that loved to play with meter was another one of our classical music rebels, Igor Stravinsky. One of his most infamous pieces was the music he wrote for a ballet called Rite of Spring. One section of the ballet is called The Glorification of the Chosen One. And in the storyline of the ballet, this is where a tribe has chosen a young girl to sacrifice. Listen to the constant shifting of the meters. It sounds like the music is swirling around and totally chaotic, which I'm pretty sure is how I would feel if I were a human sacrifice. Progressive rock, also known as prog rock, was developed in the UK and the US starting in the late 60s. Prog rock used different features of classical and jazz music in awesome ways. Listen to the band Genesis's song, Turn It On Again, from 1980. This part of the song shifts between meters of six and seven and throws your ears off just a little bit at a time. As more bands were influenced by prog rock, they continued to push even more complex patterns and actually created a whole subgenre known as math rock. Take a listen to these meter shifts in the song Lateralis by well-known metal group Tool. Can you hear why this genre was called math rock? That meter was constantly shifting from one to another. It's enough to make any algebra teacher throw their hands up in the air. Music from Greek and Balkan cultures commonly use odd meters, and it's fascinating to watch how they match their movements to them. 
Listen to this one named Araya Punai Inifi Mas, which is often used as a bridal dance at Greek weddings. While you're listening, see if you can pick up on the different subdivisions. Usually the longer beats are broken down into three, and the short beats are broken down into two. One well-known jazz musician that traveled around the world and applied unusual meters to American jazz is Dave Brubeck, best known for his tunes like Take Five. For this episode, I'm fortunate enough to be joined by Dave Brubeck's son, Chris Brubeck, who is an internationally renowned musician in his own right. Chris is a Grammy-nominated composer and an innovative performer who embraces the pulse of contemporary music. He maintains a demanding touring and recording schedule, playing bass and trombone with his two groups, the Brubeck Brothers Quartet and Triple Play, an acoustic, jazz, funk, blues, Americana trio. Chris had been a long-standing member of the Dave Brubeck Quartet, writing arrangements and touring and recording with his father's group for over 20 years. Hi, I'm Chris Brubeck, and I'm glad to be with you today. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, what is it about meters that, you know, your dad found it so interesting, you find it so interesting? What, what is it about it? Uh, well, I mean, I, I can say definitively as a composer that that I always feel like if you, when you write in 4-4, which I do sometimes, uh, you sort of get stuck in that square room. It's sort of like architecture. It's a rectangle. It's a, it's a motel room or something. You know, it's like if you write in 7, you always have this crazy corner that you can kind of bounce off of and go in a new different direction. So I just find it more interesting. I just feel like 4-4 has really been played out, you know? And uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. Sometimes I write pieces for for uh, uh, like military bands, I've gotten commissions for them. And I try to write for 4-4, four, four, and then I go like, oh, oh this ended up at 15, 16. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it's, just, it's just fascinating for me. Uh, obviously, I grew up around it with my with my dad and then playing jazz and live music. My brother's a drummer, and he's always, always pushing the envelope. And if we were playing in 4-4, four, four, he'll figure out how to play it in three against it. I mean, that's, that's one of the things we grew up with. Um, Dave is known for many pioneering elements in jazz, but one of them is also a new approach to playing jazz walk, which came from his uh, drummers. But it's the idea that while you're playing in three, which like you know a corny walk okay, the idea is put a jazzy, but under that have the hi hat going every other beat. So then you're implying four or two against three. Mm-hmm. It's still graceful like a walk, but it's got this undercurrent. And if you're soloist, um, you can take it in. And, and a, a classic example is the tune sung by Mike Franklin song, which is now a jazz standard. It never used to be. And I got to say, me and my siblings have something to do with how that evolved. Because my dad used to come home from jazz clubs in San Francisco, like the Black Hawk. And uh, he'd get home at three in the morning, and my mom would say, 
and come home to a friend in the morning. And so they bought us these little cheap, you know, what, $15 record players. And we had these Disney albums, you know, so my dad's trying to see. And through the wall, he's hearing, it's like, it's a moment. And finally, it's creeping into his subconscious. And he realized, how am I going to make a good jazz tune? And so he applied his rhythmic idea to it. And hence, that jazz waltz concept was born. And, you know, out of this, because my dad is a, a corny, not hanging out with a musician family kind of guy, ironically, Miles Davis goes into a club and, and, and Black Hawk hears my dad play. And he hears him play, Someday My Friends Will Come, this little fantasy piece, you know, from, from whatever it was, you know, Cinderella or something, or Snow White. Snow White, White yeah. yeah. The next Miles Davis album is called Someday My Friends Will Come. <laughs> Mr. Deep, dark, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, anyhow, that, that whole thing about the three against two in a jazz wall uh, really sort of informs all sorts of time signatures. Have you ever written a piece where the meter kind of gives it a, like a certain meaning, uh, a meaning to it? So, like, if you change the meter, it would kind of change the meaning or, or the feel of the piece? Well, I have a, a piece I'm going to play a lot that's sort of backwards from that in that is a piece my father wrote called Unsquared Air. Try playing the blues in old 74. It can drive you crazy for sure. You're always looking for the eighth beat. Take one off, make a six and cheat. When you get used to it, it's not such a feat. Unsquared dance. Give us some musical kind of direction of like what what makes a square dance. 
Listen Up is hosted by me, Caitlin Daly. Our research assistant is Marissa Moore. Listen Up is produced by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra in partnership with the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts at Sacred Heart University. Thank you.